This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. Welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk, brought to you by the Rope Trainer. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have one, from big leaguers to little leaguers. I encourage you to go out and check out theropetrainer.com today. Tremendous device used to save some of those young arms. Uh, more and more information coming out about the Rope Trainer every day, you know, how to use it, why to use it, some of the scientific data that's coming out, you know, just what it shows and how it can help you. And again, I say it on here every week, if John Smoltz is willing to take his Hall of Fame time and talk about this youth arm problem, we all better stand up and pay attention because it's very real. Um, really excited about the show this week. Let me welcome in my co-host, Spiker Helms. What's going on? It's great to be here. I'm excited. Well, we're getting back on the Chasing Velocity series. Uh, it took a little break. I uh, had a couple great interviews with some great people. But um, as we work around trying to get some other great people on and, and we work of, to get them in, I'm real excited about today's guest. He's a major influencer in the world of you know, baseball in general, not just youth, and real interested to hear what he has to say. Yep, a lot of, a lot of great content out there, Facebook, Twitter, um, YouTube, um, also does live events too, so he's, he's, a, he's a class act. Yeah, it, it, you typically, in, in, my, in the world that I'm in, with some of the influencers in the St. Louis area and then Chicago, obviously, with Justin, and then I know these guys all across the country now, um, you hear his name mentioned a lot, so there's a lot of people paying attention to what he's doing and what he's saying. I think maybe you may want to pay attention to. Before we get to him, though, let's remind you to make sure you check us out each week at youthbaseballtalk.com. It's where you'll find the podcast. Uh, it's all you can listen to back episodes. Uh, you know, we we're up to almost 100 episodes now. You can go all the way back, and we do appreciate the fact that people binge listen us a little bit and go back. That's awesome. It's also the easiest way to subscribe to the show, which is completely free. Uh, all you'll do there is click subscribe to the podcast. You'll go to a screen, pick out your mobile provider. You're really good and ready to go. So, um, you know, really excited about that as well. Podcast Baseball, at Podcast Baseball. That's who we are on Twitter. We're asking you to follow us on Twitter. We're almost to 10,000 followers. Uh, we're following back, too. If you are involved in the game of baseball, we're going to follow back. We get a lot of great stories, a lot of great content through Twitter. At Podcast Baseball is where you'll find us. Uh, if you could also like us on Facebook, we'd appreciate it. Youth Baseball Talk. Great stuff going on with Facebook. Uh, we're trying to be more active with that since I brought my man Spiker on, as he's much better at that than I am. We promise you that's going to keep getting better. So uh, all we ask is that if you see it, like it and share it. And let's try to share some of these amazing stories. Uh, example, the guy we're going to have on here today. He would be worth your share and worth your like. Um, before we get to him, remember, lineupmedia.fm. That should be your choice. Grow as fastest-growing podcast network on the planet. They take your entertainment time very seriously. Check them out, lineupmedia.fm. Okay, I can't take it any longer. we got to get to today's yep. guest. I've been waiting for this. We've been trying to get him on here for a month, and it's finally worked out. He's a busy guy. A lot of you guys have heard about him. Um, he has a tremendous content out there and teaching. Uh, you've probably heard of his core velocity belt and how he uses it. But let's welcome in the man himself, Lance Wheeler. What's going on, my friend? Hey, glad to be here, Jim Spiker. Hey, um, really appreciate you taking the time. Know how busy you are, and typically, you know, that's a sign of a guy that's making a major difference out there. I know you're speaking at tons of places, and you're doing a lot of demos, a lot of demonstrations on how to do it, and I love that, that you do that with your stuff. You don't just say, hey, here's this. You spend a lot of time teaching, a lot of time explaining. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got involved in this, and then we'll go from there. 
Well, my path was a little bit different than most. Um, I played college baseball at Moorhead State, and actually, after I got out of school, I was a single dad for four years and was completely out of baseball. And then one of my good friends got a coaching job at high school, so I volunteered there. And then from there, took basically another volunteer job to where I was at St. Catherine Junior College uh, making $350 a month. And it was me and my daughter living in a dorm. So kind of like back to school with Rodney Dangerfield, if you remember that movie. And then from there, I went to Lipscomb for four years, two years at the University of Louisiana Monroe, and then back to Nashville uh, when a good friend of mine who is a major league agent asked me to come back and work with his guys. So that's kind of where my story was and how I got my start. So you, uh, you, know, you get involved in the game of baseball, and then it takes you in a lot of different directions. How, did, you know, how and the why are you where you're at now? Uh, well, because of everybody else. Anytime that uh, you get anywhere, there's always going to be somebody there that helps you. So my list of people that I need to think is a very, very long one. Um, it's just my love for the game. Really, with baseball, to me, I feel like I don't ever work a day in my life. Uh, and everybody I know, it seems like, comes from baseball. So how I got here was really just a lot of blind luck and just passion. And why I'm here is because I absolutely love it. To be able to go out every day and work with major league guys and, and the younger guys, it's always fun. But honestly, it's, it's the younger guys that I really, really like. I think that's where you learn most well, I could probably credit most of what I know just from the thousands of lessons that I've done with the younger kids. You know, if you go to your website, which uh, a lot of people like to follow along, so what I encourage you now to do if you're listening to the show and you want to get an idea of where we're at, go to BaseballThinkTank.com. Just very simple, BaseballThinkTank.com. Uh, when you get to the website, uh, one of the first things you're going to see, and I want to ask you about this quote because I think it means a lot, to be honest. I mean, it's, you talk about an over an understated quote. Until your players can feel what you're asking them to do, they will never truly understand. Boy, that's a mouthful because let me tell you, I've never, I, you know, you don't hear that a lot except for the guys that are tops at what they do. And I think it's because, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, as a parent, because that's ultimately what I am now, but even as a coach, a lot of times we're result-driven, right? And all we want are results sometimes. And it's like, well, you can get those results but you can get them without doing it properly. And every guy I've ever heard that knows what he's talking about will tell you, until they can feel it, they're not going to understand it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, with feel, I look at feel more as a body's native language. I've always said it this way. You can take five kids from different countries that don't speak the language, and you could, you could stand up and you could try to explain something. They're not going to understand. However, let's say you were trying to explain what the definition of hot is. You could bring in a stove, say, all right, guys, touch this. Each one of the guys could come up and touch the stove, and regardless of the language they spoke, everybody in the room would understand hot because they were able to feel it. So feel really bridges the communication divide. And when you look at it today, today's generation of pitchers are, sh- are very long on information but short on communication. I think communication is the biggest obstacle for, for any pitcher at any age. Well, you know, and again, I, I, it, it, I mean, obviously we're talking about chasing velocity, so we're talking about throwing a baseball. It applies to anything. I, I don't care what sport it is. You know, what does a kid inherently do if he plays a certain – well, he gets out and he runs, and if he sees the ball, he either kicks it or picks it up and throws it. They do some things inherently, but it's when you're young and it's what you feel, you know, and it's like 
what they feel when they're younger may not be what they need to be feeling when they're older. So it's kind of part of a long process for me. And I don't know that I did a great job as a young coach understanding that. How do you make somebody kind of understand that, Lance? Well, really, it comes down to asking questions. I think I look at myself not as a coach, but more as a questionnaire. What you're trying to do, you're really trying to create a training environment that's, that's rich in sensory perception. They can see it. They can hear it. They can feel it. Because going back to the stove, if I were to ask you how hot it is, no matter, you might say very hot. You might say 200 degrees. But it's the, the goal or the key to, to feel is a learned association. They see that it's hot. There's a different color associated with hot. So anytime you start to take what you see, what you hear, that's where you get the feel. Now, think of it like basketball. I grew up in Kentucky. You ask any kid, hey, can you feel right away whether you made the shot or missed it? You know, most are going to say, yeah, well, how do you do it? What's repetitions? What a lot are going to say, but not really. Think about with basketball. There's one goal. Everybody in the arena, from the coaches to the cheerleaders, know exactly what you're shooting at. Now, with basketball, right away you get that immediate feedback. You either win or you lose. There are no ties in player development. So you've got the single goal. There's a different sound to an air ball or a brick or the nothing but net. So pretty soon, over time, you've got the goal. You've got the immediate feedback. And so you start to connect the senses. That's how you start to develop the feel because you know right away whether it was in or out and just the difference in the sound and what you see. Well, it's interesting to hear you say that because it sounds to me an awful lot like, yes, you're talking about baseball, but it also sounds like you could correlate it to pitching. Okay, you're pitching, you're up in the zone, you're down in the zone, you're in, you're out, you're doing all this. Um, Now you're talking about pitching versus throwing. The world has turned into wanting everybody to be a thrower, it seems like to me, like everybody wants to throw 110 miles an hour. So for these purposes of discussing this, what are your thoughts on chasing velocity? I think that... So many kids, first off, you know, whenever you think about chasing velocity, what people don't realize is that arm speed is instant. Arm strength is not. So you'll see a lot of kids with weighted balls or different programs when usually the best way to go out and increase your velocity is to go out and try to just try to throw the ball hard. And that's where a lot of kids miss. But you made a good point on pitching and throwing. To me, throwing is a prerequisite to pitching. I think that a lot of kids (coughs) – They spend time on the mound uh, attempting to pitch before they're a very good thrower. And so what happens is you'll see a lot of kids with inefficiencies, with with movement patterns that aren't very efficient, and then you start to stack weight or chase velocity, and it's just an accident waiting to happen. You know, Spiker, as I listen to Lance and I hear him talk, I think back to Brian, I think back to all the guys, I think back to Travis, it, again, this is, this is a simple chicken and egg thing. I mean, what comes first? And if you hear some of these guys, it's like, look, you've got to learn how to throw before you can get on that mound. Is that, I mean, is that what you're getting, Spiker? Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, Absolutely. Lance is killing it on this when he's talking about um, throwing. Because I remember one year at Missouri State, Coach Gutton brought us over, and he's like, all right, we're going to learn how to throw. you got 10 minutes of throwing. Also, we're going we're gonna to look at your efficiency patterns, and you're going to go into um, the PT, and we're going to figure it out. And we literally spent the whole fall learning how to throw a baseball. Well, think about all the youth games that you and I, I mean, you too, Lance. Think about all the youth fields that we've been at over the years and how, but this is an awful use of terminology, how non-serious teams take warming up when they throw. You ever watch it? It's a hodgepodge. It's, it's eight kids 
or, or it's 12 kids, six on one side, six on They're chasing balls all over. They're not stepping and throwing. They're not doing this. I mean, it, it, it's, it's like, okay, guys, go get loose. There's no coach down there watching. And these are young kids where, in my opinion, that's where they need their coach the most. Yeah. I mean, and I, I would like to hear Lance's thoughts on this. But, like, when, I, when I'm coaching, I will spend 10 minutes every day throwing, and I will be out there with them, and I will be just – going down the line, talking to my guys, trying to develop a relationship. But really what I, I mean, I am developing the relationship, but what I'm really doing is I'm really trying to focus in on are you catching it or are you chasing after the ball that went <laughs> 500 feet past you? <laughs> well, that's, man, you killed it right there because to me, throwing is everything. What you see on the mound, your velocity, your ability to throw strikes, your your ability to compete, your pre-pitch, your velocity, everything is a direct reflection of what you're doing off the mound. It doesn't just happen. Look at it like school. You don't just show up on test day and you know everything. You show up on test day and you're prepared based on what you did in between tests. The same goes for throwing. Whenever guys ask me about a good throwing program, I always say it this way. If you pick up a baseball and other guys on the team ask you to throw – your program's not very good. When you pick up a baseball, you want to be the guy nobody wants to throw with. <laughs> I, I knew a couple of those guys. <laughs> yeah. I, have, I think I was, with... I was one of them for the wrong reasons, though, because they were always having to chase the ball. <laughs> but that's, that's how it's always been. Like with Inside college, one of my favorite things to do was hand the guys the ball act like I had something to do, and then I would go up on the hill and I would watch because watching a guy go out and throw the baseball tells you everything about the kid. Does he get after it? Does he compete? Does it matter to him? So that was something I would always do before I would ever sign a guy to a scholarship. I wanted to see him throw the ball because uh, it told me everything. If a guy just goes out nonchalantly, I guarantee you that's going to be the guy that gets the bad umpire. He gets the bad calls. It's just the correlation there. Hey, um, I want to talk to you about a product that um, obviously um, you've patented and, and are using, and I've seen it used, and so I know what it does, but I want you to talk a little bit about it, and that's the core velocity belt. Yeah, the core velocity I actually discovered that by accident. I was doing lessons at Lipscomb, and my daughter was six years old at the time, and she was using Alan Jager's bands, and so she was trying to entertain herself. So she was on a hardwood basketball floor with the wrists, attachment velcroed around her waist and she would back up in her socks and she would drop her butt and get across the floor well the next thing i know i just hear this bam i look up my daughter's up against the wall i'm running down thinking oh my god my daughter's dead about that time the pitching coach jumped out at me and i'm like this would be perfect for pitchers so we went out that night to walmart and nine years later after about three sewing machines smoking for my wife we finally got it patented. But really, with the core velocity belt, everybody asks what it does. But personally, I think the biggest feature or benefit of the belt is just allowing kids to feel the center part of their body because most cannot feel it. They just don't move very well through the hips. A lot of that has to do with our culture, our lifestyle. And you think baseball is a rotational sport. So whether I'm pitching, hitting, stealing a base, sitting the bench, it's going to require the use of the hips. And, and whenever the hips aren't involved, well, then you're going to have issues because with the major league study I just recently saw, over 44% of all major league arm injuries guys on the shelf relate it back to a deficiency inside the hips. Well, I, I got this is completely off topic, but i got to ask you, when you came up with this, did you have any idea that hitting guys would be using it as well to teach guys how to use their hips in their swing? <laughs> 
Yeah, well, it goes well with any rotational sport. It's just that I knew nothing about hitting. In fact, you'd probably seen better swings on a porch than mine. <laughs> so I kind of left that to those guys. Uh, but I had no idea at the beginning what it would become. It was just something that was a useful tool for our guys just to become aware and become more aware of their hips. Uh, and then the cool thing about it was just how much I learned about pitching from it. And the body's overall goal, number one, is to protect itself so it'll grow to great lengths to do that. So that's what you see with a lot of inefficiencies in pitching mechanics. It's really the body just kind of freaking out, trying to regain balance and stability. So something that I learned is that arm speed is, is instant where arm strength is not. What I mean by that is the faster, more efficient that I can start to move through the center of my body, it really gives the arm no choice but to be a, take a cleaner, faster path. That's a breath of fresh air, Lance, when you talk about the core, because um, I come, I, I went to Missouri State, and with the PT program there, um, we have full access to all the uh, physical trainers. And when they when they talked to me about when I first came on campus, they said your core is horrible. You need you need to figure it out faster. You're not going to be um, efficient on the field. And when I'm doing my lessons and, and teaching, it's so hard to get a younger guy to to understand what the core is. Um, when you approach when you approach a younger guy, wh- what do you do to get them to feel that first initial thought of um, this is the core? Oh, this is where I need to stem most of my movement from. First thing we do is we take the shoes off. We go barefoot because what you're going to see with with a lot of kids, especially the kids in the Northeast is that with the colder weather climates they're gonna they're gonna be in bigger shoes a lot of the turf shoes are are just really heavy and something else that you want to do right away check how tight their shoes are tied one of the biggest issues in fact i'd say 99 percent of mechanical issues i see stem from either the feet or the eyes and it's before they ever even start they have no chance because their feet are sliding around their shoes or they just have no awareness so that's the first step number two is just a few simple movement patterns where I'll have them stand in place. Can they rotate their hips without taking their shoulders with them? That's unbelievable. And I got to tell you, I was coming to this next, but you know, it seems like I know we're talking about chasing velocity, but it's amazing how the body works and it works the same way for a lot of different things. I thought Rick Strickland, and I know you're friends with Rick and I know he attends pitch Palooza, which is what I wanted to get to next. Um, He came home and he had his hitters hitting with their shoes off. So now I know where he got it. He's not so smart. <laughs> yeah, well, that's one of the first things they'll do with stroke patients, too. And Dr. Seals, who, who's been a, a really big influence on me, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Dr. Seals, but Roger Goodell just created a position for him. So he's now the chief medical officer for the NFL, but he's a brilliant guy. He's a neurosurgeon, and, uh, and he was one that, that shared a lot of that with me. Uh, and then David Ray and Josh Rinkins are two other guys. But, yeah, just by going barefoot, it's amazing – just the proprioception and just the overall feel because again the body's number one goal is to protect itself so a lot of times what you're going to see is when the feet slide or they start to move around the head moves with it so the body's going to do some crazy things and that's what you're going to see with inconsistent pitching mechanics well it it was a lot of the times it's just the initial start it was amazing because like you know when you take a kid like my son uh, had just turned 14 he shows up one day and rick tells him to take his shoes off so my kid automatically he's a little squirrely he's like are you kidding me So, so I'm not kidding you, though. We show up the next week, and we have a different lesson time. It's late. So we walk in, and there's a distinct different sound coming from the room, and Rick was hitting with Matt Adams and Andy, uh, Ben Attendee, the, the yep. guy from Boston. Yep. Yeah. 
and they're in town hitting with Rick, and they both have their shoes off. <laughs> and the other guy, when he's not hitting, the other guy, when he's not hitting, is in a cage swinging a broom, just like my kid was the other day. And he's got this look on his face like, why am I swinging a broom? And here's Andrew Penitendi, who's probably the number one prospect in baseball swinging it. And, you know, and so it, it just, it, I'm like, I look at my kid and I go, I think if they can do it, you can do it or without the, any Where the dad's taking their right. shoes off, yes, too. it's just amazing. <laughs> like, I'm like, hey, if I take my shoes off, am I going to feel better? But, hey, I, real That's quick, right. before we get to the questions, I want you to talk just briefly about Pitchapalooza because I've heard that it's an unbelievable event. And it goes along with the show, which our mantra here is coaches need to be coached. And what I mean by that is, if you're a parent, I guarantee you, you coach your kid. I don't mean you made you maybe coach him on the field, but I guarantee you off the field you're coaching him. So you cannot go to enough things like this and become educated. Tell our listeners a little bit about Pitchapalooza. Yeah, well, Pitchapalooza is an event that I hold each year in December here in Nashville. It's a three-day event. And the way that it was started was each year in college baseball, what I would do, I would seek out what I thought were the top pitching coaches in the country, and I would go and I would visit those guys and just pick their brain and then take the information and try to apply it the next year. But once I got out of baseball, I thought this would be a lot easier if I just had guys come to me. So what I did, I've created a list of what I thought were the, were the guys I'd really like to see, what I considered the most innovative pitching minds in the country, and I invited them to that first event. That was in 2013. I think we had 50 people there with eight speakers. And since that time, it's grown over to 275 attendants this last year. And we've got uh, college pitching coaches. We have neurosurgeons. We have physical therapists. We have strength trainers. It's really just a celebration of pitching. It's more of a meeting of the minds to where we will start and go for literally 72 hours. And you're not going to get a whole lot of sleep. But the cool part about it is you're going to have anywhere from – this year we had seven Major League Baseball organizations who sent almost their entire staff, along with Little League coaches, and everybody's in the same room talking and sharing ideas. And that's the best part about it. It's just the open air to where they're, everyone there is just passionate. They're seeking information, and, and the speakers are there to, to help in any way. And one of the rules that I have is it's a first-name basis. There is no such thing as Coach So-and-so. It's Mike or it's Rick, just to break down some of those barriers. Lance, I really would like to go to Pitchpalooza. When, when, when is that for the next year? It will be this year. It will be the second week in December. Okay. It starts on starts on a Friday. It goes through Sunday, but we'll also have a bonus night on Thursday, and that's where on Thursday night we'll hitting pitch, hitting and pitching coaches will just come in and show exactly what they do inside their daily program with their pitchers or hitters. Yeah, um, you know, and again, I'm I'm obviously you know tight with Rick Strickland, and he just raves about it. And I was supposed to come this year, and something came up, and I couldn't get down there. But I'm definitely coming this year. So we're going to invade your event if you don't mind. Hey, and if you don't mind, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't. I might like to do a show from there if you wouldn't mind. That'd be great. Love to have you. Yeah, because you know, at the end of the day, what I what I believe is is that if people take the time to become educated, they were they are doing themselves. A service that is irreplaceable. I, I just, again, we make so many snap decisions if we take the time to get educated. And again, it, I go back to what I said earlier. I can hear from you, Travis Kerber, all these great guys, right? Brian DeLunis, all these great guys. It's a chicken and egg thing, guys. You can't get results that, that you want without going back and starting from the beginning and doing it the right way. You're, there is no quick fix in this. I, have you ever seen a quick fix? The quickest fix I've seen is, is get away from instructing and telling kids what they want to do and start to ask them. But really, again, that, that's no quick fix. But that's something I'd really like to harp on with being that this is 
specified towards younger coaches is that I think a lot of times parents underestimate what they know and, and how to communicate. They're so quick to send them to a pitching coach or a hitting coach when really it's, it's, it's more about getting out of the way and asking your son questions. Give him the sense of ownership and development where it's just not dad told me to do this, dad told me to do that. That would be the quickest fix if there was such a thing that I would really, really emphasize to all the, the parents out there listening. Step back, ask your son questions. You know him better than anyone else. Take advantage of that. Okay, it's time now to put you on the spot with your four questions. You ready to go? I'm ready. Okay, so this one, you're gonna. these may seem pretty generic to you, but I assure you every parent across the country is thinking this. You ready? Okay, <laughs> well, let's go. Number one, is throwing a baseball safe or better yet, even a good idea? Throwing a baseball is a great idea, and the reason that so many times that it's not safe, let's think about it. Base, throwing a baseball is a hazardous sport. There's no doubt. There's inherent dangers. But the issue that I see is that kids spend way too much time pitching, not enough time throwing, so they never build up a base, and that's when it starts to become dangerous. It's just like if I go in and I take a test and I haven't studied for it, well, the chances of me failing are going to be much greater than if I've prepared my mind. Same thing goes with preparing your arm comes back to what we got to learn how to do it before we actually go do yeah, it. You got to be able to throw. Um, yeah. And when yeah. I I had arm problems all the way leading up to that senior year, where Coach Gutton said, "All right, we're taking a step back," because no one wants to take a step back. Yeah, no, everybody wants to hundred miles an hour. We're at, we're, steam at, ahead. we're at the highest level. We have a um, right now, kind of looking at the team. We have a guy that's in AAA, two guys in AAA, um, first rounder, everything, and then he sits back and he says, "We're taking a step back, and we're going to learn how to throw." I don't have arm problems at all today. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. You know, the best quote I've ever heard on that came from Paul Nyman, and he's a guy that I've gotten a lot of stuff from, and it's at stepfro.com, but he said, and this stuck with me, is you've got to throw to pitch. You don't have to, you've got to, you've got to throw to pitch. You don't have to pitch to throw. Wow. That sounds like Leo Mazzoni talking there. He just wants guys to throw, yeah, throw, throw, great. you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Next question. Can you tell if your kid is prone to injury from pitching? Uh, you know, that's a hard one without, without having a baseline or a background in it. So to the general population, I would say that would be very, very tough for, for parents to be able to recognize. But one of the first things that I would always look for is watch their front leg and knee. If you see that sucker moving or sliding side to side, well, what's going to happen? You're going to see more stress on the arm because, again, baseball is a rotational sport, and any type of rotation requires a fixed point. So if you see the front leg, front foot or knee moving at landing, that would be a red flag. And, again, a lot of times the first check would be check their feet. Are their shoes not tied tight? That's a big one. So that would be the, the first checkpoint that I would have. Isn't that, isn't that crazy with the front foot and the front leg? Because um, I'm, not, I'm not a pitching guy. Um, I was a positional player, but with hitting, it, it, it really is with the front foot, and it's crazy what the front foot can really, if you can fix it, it ends up changing most of your movement patterns when, when approaching a baseball. There's no doubt, because in, in pitching, it's just such a dynamic system, and I think a lot of times that's what we overlook. We're guilty of looking at still pictures and frame by frame, and that's one reason why I hate slow motion video analysis, is that usually when you see an issue on the front, the front's not really the issue. It's from the back. It's the cause and effect, and it's a symptom versus the cause. And I think a lot of times our biggest issue is that we often chase the symptom or spend time fixing the symptom, and then it starts to appear right back on the mound. So a kid just wasted his time training the wrong thing. 
Next question. Should I be worried if my kid cannot throw hard? Uh, no, I mean, I think the first thing that you got to do, be the best you. Not everybody was, not everybody's going to throw the ball 90 miles per hour, but I think one of the worst things that we can do is say, hey, go out and look like this guy. Go out and, and be like that guy. We would never send a kid off to school and say, hey, make sure you act exactly like the guy beside you today. And think about it this way, too. I'm 44 years old. I've signed my name probably a million times. And I couldn't sit there in a chair. You could give me all day long, and I could never repeat my signature the same way twice. So if I can't repeat my signature, I darn sure couldn't repeat Tim Linscombe's signature. But yet we have these guys go out and try to repeat uh, millions of sequences in under a second, which is required by throwing a baseball. So the answer to that with – with can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, you're good. We're just listening, okay, okay. bud. We're, phone no, we're trying <laughs> no, to get smarter here. You go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, so with throwing is that there's, there's so many different ways to throw the ball hard. A lot of that just comes from perception. So if I'm a guy that struggles with velocity, one of the things I would teach that guy is teach him how to elevate the ball up in the zone. Teach him how to take the ball down and away because there's just by changing location, you're going to change the perception of velocity. So that's, that's another way. But really it comes down to being the best you. And at the end of the day, sure, you are going to be judged by the gun. So if I'm a younger guy, I'm absolutely going to spend time on trying to throw the ball hard. But if I'm an older guy, I'm just going to own my craft and, and find ways to, to get around that. You know, you said something there that I think we all need to, uh, some people are burying their heads in the sand about, and I get it, and I understand why they do it. But you are ultimately going to be judged by the gun. So I want people to stop with the, uh, you know, the derogatory tweets about kids trying to become better throwers, trying to become more velocity driven. You got to stop with it. I get it. I understand what you're doing. A lot of times it's a, it's a defensive mechanism because maybe their kid doesn't throw hard and doesn't get any credit because he's a good pitcher. Nobody's talking about my kid who only throws 82 but does nothing but get people out. All, this happens all the time now. All they want to talk about is the kid that throws 90 and walks the, walks the park. Well, guess what? And I, Brian DeLuna said this great. 81 isn't going to work at the next level. you got to figure out a way to do it. you got to figure out a way to throw harder. Okay? you got to. Yeah. Now, listen, you can be 81, 82 and be the best you can be, and that's fine. Okay? But you can't criticize another kid because he's throwing 90, and he might figure it out. And if he figures it out, he might be nasty. There's no doubt. I mean, today's age, you're, you're judged and evaluated by the gun. And here's the thing about it, too, is that velocity will get you in the door and keep you there longer, whereas guys that are short on velocity, they're not going to have that, that window. Last question. Is there a breaking point for my kid's arm? Oh, that just, that just comes back. That's, that's almost asking, like, how many times do I have to run to first before I pull a hamstring? Or is it like the old Tootsie Roll pop, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll? It's just, it's just so hard to say exactly uh, because – Again, there's so much that goes into that question, and, and often we always think back about pitching, but if we're going to say that the body works as a system, how much sleep are you getting? How much rest are you getting? How well are you eating? How much water are you drinking? How much stress is in your life? There's just so many variables because at the end of the day, it, it comes back to the nervous system, and everybody's built differently, but uh, there's a lot of things inside that that you can control that have nothing to do with baseball, and that's just your lifestyle, that's your habits, that's what you're doing off the field because, again, everything that you're doing off the mound are the results that you're going to get on the mound. It's, it's a culmination of factors. 
Well, those are our four questions that we've asked all the guys, um, and so we appreciate your answers. And again, it's it is interesting how you guys vary a little bit, but a lot of times you come back to the same things, you know, and and how you have to go about doing this. And at the end of the day, preparation, training, the way you prepare the arm, the way you prepare your body is always extremely important. Uh, I've been asking guys kind of a separate question just to get their thoughts on things that pop up from time to time. Well, something came across my feed yesterday that I want to ask you about, and the only reason is because it's what I personally now I'm no. You know, most guys anymore are kinetics guys, and they they understand the body, how it works. I mean, I talk about Travis Kerber all the time. I guarantee you, if I was hurt, I would go see him because this guy knows more about the body and how it works. It's funny to think that, you know, he's a pitching guy, but, I mean, he really understands the body. And most do. I Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time, most hitting guys and most pitching guys anymore are kinesiology guys because they understand the sequencing of the body. There's a guy that follows us on Twitter, and I interact with him a lot, and I love the guy because he is passionate about trying to get the message out about protecting young arms. And his Twitter handle is at C. Clemenson, Chris Clemenson, so it's C. Clemenson 12. Um, what I find interesting is um, he's always on some of these little leagues and some of their pitching roles. Well, obviously a lot of people are aware that a lot of the high school associations across the country have come out now with pitching parameters and days of rest. Okay, my opinion of everything I've seen from youth sports, and again, I'm no, I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. I did not stay at a Holiday Inn. But when, <laughs> when you know Jeff Passan come out with his book, and and everybody said, I'm going to tell you my opinion. The number one reason we have more arm injuries than we've ever had is because at the youth level, we are pitching kids back to back days every weekend. And then they go pitch again during the week. And you know who you are out there, then you're doing it. Because let me tell you something, I did it. The very first team I had, we threw our best pitchers three innings on Saturday, three or four innings on Sunday. Why? Because that was the pitching rules. They could throw eight innings a weekend, right? So he sends out a tweet. But I realized very quickly, with the help of some great people, Jim, you can't do that. Darren Hendrickson, who's on this show a lot, and I think you know Darren, the coach at St. Louis University, he's a big pitching guy. It was him, when his kid played for us, that looked at me and said, Jim, Tony La Russa, he, he throws BP for the Cardinals, right? So he's friends with Dave Duncan. He's friends with Tony LaRussa, okay? And he had went to them and said, listen, my kid is getting involved in this, and I don't know what I'm getting into. I don't know how to do it at that level. I know how to work with pros. I know how to work with college guys. They gave him a book to read, and he read it. And he came to me, and he said, Jim, they do not ask the greatest athletes in the world that work year-round in fully developed massive bodies to throw three innings one day and three innings the next. Why would you ask a 10-year-old child to do it? And that was the last time we ever did it. So he sends out a tweet yesterday. He sends out a tweet yesterday, this Chris Clemenson, that says, now Minnesota high school players, if they throw 31 pitches, they need a day of rest. But if you're nine years old and you play in the Cal Ripken League or the Babe Ruth League or the North Dakota Babe Ruth League, you can throw the next day. Why are we so slow to add this to the youth level? Is it because of money? Because that's what Darren and I did a whole show on this. This is purely about tournaments. Because the tournament guy will say, Jim, I understand what you're saying, but if I tell people their kids can't, can't th- they're going to say, well, we can't play them. We don't have enough pitchers. So what is it? Is it, it we're back to a chicken and egg thing. Yeah. Yeah. Are you asking me that question? Yes. What is it? Yeah. Is, I mean, am I wrong here, yeah, or is I mean, the I rest think, the problem? I think you're right on. I think you're right on. I think it's 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 driven by the money and it's driven it's just driven by tournaments. I think that's what's so wrong with with much of youth baseball today is that 
it's it's travel ball. Travel ball has has changed the way it's played. It's it's changed the way it's coached. And personally, I'm just not a big fan at the younger level of travel ball. I'd rather send my kid to a rec league and play multiple sports. But I totally agree with you, Jim. I think it comes back down to the fact that they don't have enough pitchers. So if I don't have enough pitchers, I can't pitch. I can't play. There's going to be fewer guys in the tournament. But I think you're right on there. Hey, the last show I was telling the guy, and I remind everybody about this, because if the guy is still listening to the show, you know who you are and you did it. I said this because I had a coach ask me, because he asked me about he He came up to me after a tournament, and we actually won the tournament, and he said, i got to ask you, I mean, your kid, I, I, what were you doing there? I didn't get it. Why didn't you say And I said, listen, that's what we do. When it's his turn to pitch, he pitches, and when he's out of pitches, he's done. He won't throw again for five days. How do you win? That's what he told me. And I said, well, sometimes we don't. Well, Jim, do you think it's because they're like those, those type of coaches, they, they're not, they don't know? Well, I don't know. I, I wonder that because I remember, the, and, and again, great point, Spiker, excellent point, because, and I said this, somebody asked me, Darren had asked me, why do we do this? And I said, well, I don't know. That's the rules. I, I remember saying that to him. And he goes, rules, Jim, I'll go buy you some trophies. And I mean, that hit me like a ton of bricks because I didn't think I was that way. I really had this thing like, man, I know what we do at practices. We work with the kids. We develop kids. We do all this. And so I told him, I said, man, I'm really sorry. I, I just assumed it was okay. I mean, and I gave him all the excuses people give me. I had a guy call me a communist because I told him, well, I mean, I'll throw these other kids and if we lose, we lose. And he told me we're going to win the next. We're going to lose the next world war because of people like me. Because I'm teaching our kids that it's okay to lose. I said I never taught my kid it was okay to lose. What I said was, is I'm going to let this kid pitch. Now we played at a high level, so yes, I set my pitching up. But what I used to do, which most people don't do, is when we played those games on Saturday, we threw lesser pitchers. And if we lost, we lost. And if we finished low, and we played a high seed on Sunday, we'll see you Sunday. You're going to see our best. And then if we lose, we'll tip our cap and go home. I don't understand. Well, it's, I mean, it's human nature to to want to win. Sure, it's competition. I, yeah. yeah. And then it kind of goes back to that point. It's like challenge yourself. This is this is your kid. Like, go go online. Follow Lance Wheeler. Follow 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 the big influencers that we've brought onto this show. Go to Pitch a Palooza. Do do that type of stuff so that you start learning and understanding. Like, oh. The tournament, the tournament industry is all driven by we want to try to get the best teams into our event, and we want to try to keep the games as close as we possibly can so that everyone has fun. Now it's up to you what you want to do with your players. So I guess it comes back to sure. own, ownership. Like, we need to start learning more. You know, Lance. And you know what I think? Go ahead, Lance. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I think the issue. I think the issue with with a lot of parents out there is that they get overloaded with information. There's just so much information out there. It's like, who do you trust? Who do you believe? So, so my uh, suggestion on that is, it, it applies to all of us. I mean, we're the same way. We hear something new. We don't know exactly what it is at first. But my suggestion to you guys is, keep a journal. That's something that I do religiously, and <laughs> and really take information from everyone, and then. Write down whatever you think works best for you, because at the end of the day, is there a perfect answer? Is there a right or wrong answer? Maybe in some, but for the most part, you just got to trust what you feel with stuff. And and the more that you're aware of it, the more that you're writing it down, the more that you're applying it, you're going to start to come up with your own system and start to figure out what works best for you. Self-awareness, right? Absolutely. So if you're at a tournament, Lance, 
and you uh, you happen to be there both days, and you see a team try to kid out there, and he throws three innings, throws 45, 50 pitches on Saturday, and that same team trots him out there on Sunday in a semifinal or a championship, what's the first thought that goes through your mind? Idiot. <laughs> straight Be careful straight the, you're going to get called a communist here to the point i've it. been called worse <laughs> well I, I well i i'm glad that you are, are so frank i like that no hey listen i i appreciate it of course because um again and i say this all the time if i can admit that i was wrong and i did it i absolutely did it and i think back to myself and i think god i'm uh, luckily you know i <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I if it if it hurt anybody. I, I look at the kids today, and I wonder if we wouldn't have done that to them. Would they be better? I don't know. But I will say, what is the most common thing you see in high school? It, obviously, we talk about the great stories, the kids that develop, the kids that did this, kids. That did this. But what is the sad one that you hear? What happened to this kid? He threw the crap out of it when he was younger. Now all of a sudden, he can't throw it from here to there. Well, I can tell you what happened to some mm-hmm. of them because I saw it with my own eyes, and that's sad. No doubt. Lance, thank you so much, man. I hope you enjoyed doing the show. Um, obviously, we'll be sending this out and, and you know look forward to getting some of the reaction. You're such a, a – the spiker likes to use this word. You're such a major influencer in this world, and we encourage everybody to make sure they, they, they check you out and, and do their homework and, and do their research. Again, baseballthinktank.com, you can't go wrong. And one thing that Lance does that I want to commemorate you on, Lance, is that you are in the trenches. You have your own Facebook group, and what a lot of people do is they'll, they'll create this group and then they're non-existent. You are fully in the trenches, and you're, you're, you're chiming in on um, certain comments. Obviously, you're not going to go one-to-one, two-to-two, three-to-three, four-to-four, but you will, you will chime in. In and um, it is it is a breath of fresh air to see you in there um, as a major influencer. Well, I appreciate it, Spiker. Appreciate it. But, yeah, Jim, all you guys, man, I appreciate the kind words, and, and we're all here to learn, and, and it shows like yours here that I'm just I'm proud and, and honored to be on it, and, and more guys need to listen to it because it's such a tremendous resource, and I'm just glad to be a part of it. Well, like I said, you make a big difference in a lot of people's lives um, with what you do. We're looking forward to it. We're, we're committed to coming down, um, excited about doing it. Like I said, probably try to do some, some recording down there, maybe do some shows, maybe come down with a group. Uh, you know, I think uh, you know, we've got, uh, you know, we've got uh, a lot of people out there that listen to the show and, and really do take to heart what a lot of you guys say. They count on you guys, and I appreciate how serious you take it. That'd be awesome, and maybe we can get you down there on a Thursday night or something to get the speakers there and just have a, a roundtable discussion for you. Man, let me tell you something. You set that up, and, and I'll have the whole crew down there, and we'll, we'll video that thing, and, and we'll get it out. And let me tell you, we would be honored to be associated with that. I guarantee it. That'd be great. We'll, we'll stay in touch, and again, man, thanks, guys. I really appreciate no, it. No, thank you for everything you do, and thank you for being a part of Youth Baseball Talk. We'll talk to you soon, Lance. All right, Jim. Spiker. Bye, guys. That is Lance Wheeler. Um, again, I cannot encourage you enough to go to BaseballThinkTank.com and check it out. So many great things. If you Google his name, you're going to come up with all kinds of different things that you can learn from. And again, Google, I laugh about Google all the time, but it is the greatest resource you have. It really is. I, I can't tell you enough how you need to use it. It's, it's, again, there are certain things that we need to use our eyes and our mind for, and those are local things, you know, um, you know, we just did uh, just did the episode with uh, with the guys from Rawlings Tigers. If you're in St. Louis and you're interested in a program, what I would suggest you do is go out and see how they do what they do. Okay, well, if it's somebody that's a national guy, get on Google, <laughs> check out what they're doing. There's plenty of stuff out there. 
see it with your own eyes. Listen to it. Check out reviews. I guarantee you, no stone should go unturned when you're talking about your kid and what you're going to do. There, I, I get this question or this statement a lot. And it's like, well, how do how do I get better? And then I say, all right, get a pen and paper. Here we go. G O O G L E. That's all you need. And because I, I mean, and I'm I'm a guy that tries to challenge himself all the time. I mean, we 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 went text messages back and forth. What was it like on a Friday? Yeah. Friday night, and we're talking about um, the MLB Network, uh, one of their segments. Yeah. And so it's just it's always challenging yourself, and then saying, you know what, I don't I don't know it all. Well, you know, uh, it's funny. I. I look at this whole thing and where people want to go and everything. Google is great. You're going to learn a whole lot of stuff, right? It also is an opportunity for you to become educated and to learn from both mistakes and everything. Because at the end of the day, here's what I'll tell you. As good as Google is, it's like anything else. You're going to find great stuff on there. You're going to find other things on there that aren't so good. And what I would recommend is treat it like anything in life. Here's what I can assure you about baseball. And, Spiker, you tell me if, if you disagree with this. I would love to have the conversation. If it seems too good to be true or it seems easy, it's probably not going to work. <laughs> this game involves a tremendous amount of work, effort, and energy. And if you see something and go, oh, look at that, that's going to fix everything, it's probably not. Pay attention to the things that involve you working, that involve you learning, that involve effort level, that involve time, that involve education. The things that look like, man, that looks like a lot, that's probably something that might work. I saw a graphic. It was Michael Phelps, and it said he did not miss one training day for five years. I saw that. It How was, awesome was that? It was, wasn't it something where, like, he was saying, like, like his prom and all this kind of stuff? Like, he, he did all, like, he was dedicated. And I've heard other guys say that. And what's funny is when I hear that, sometimes you'll see parents with the eye roll. Well, they'll, you know? they'll say they'll say this. They're like, "Well, what about a social life?" No, yeah. we're not saying that. Yeah, just don't skip the day. Right. Like it's, there's there's a long, it's a long day. If it, I mean, you got 24 hours. <laughs> I mean, you can you can sneak in 30 minutes here, 30 minutes there. It doesn't have to be like a whole two hours. Well, just just never skip a day. Well, and what I can tell you is, it shows. I've. I, Listen, if you ever want, like, we feel bad for kids for a variety of reasons. If you want to feel bad for a kid, feel bad for the one that works his tail off and just can't get any better. And doesn't get the shot. Yeah. That, feel bad for that kid because, you know, he did enough to earn a shot. He just may not be there's one, the guy. There's one guy, you know? one of my really good friends. He's in AAA right now with the St. Louis Cardinals, Luke Voigt. And that guy worked his tail off every single day. You're seeing his name more and more, too. Oh, way, way across the board. And he was not given a shot. And then finally, his senior year, he had some injuries. Cardinals gave him a shot, drafted him in, I think, in the 20th, 24th round. And in and, and professional terms, that your, your chances are not very good at all. And he's now, with, now in AAA with the Memphis Cardinals. And in the first two games, he's absolutely tearing it up. Yeah, they're, they're, he's a name you're starting to hear a lot. Listen, the major leagues is riddled with guys. Again, I, I mentioned on the last show, I had the opportunity to spend some time with Benji Molina, and one of the things he had said to the kids was, do you know where Pedro Martinez came from? Vladimir Guerrero? $1,000. Signed for $1,000. These guys are going to go to the Hall of Fame. $1,000. They weren't drafted number one all overall. Okay? They, they, they weren't a bonus baby. He said, I played with a lot of bonus babies that never saw double A. It's about work. It's about effort. And I'm sorry, here's the, here's the hard part, guys. We don't sugarcoat. Sometimes you just got to be good enough. 
you got to have the athleticism. Athletes play. Mm-hmm. Sorry, athletes play. Talent plays. You can work really hard. That's why we got to get off these kids. I got to get off my own kids. They can work really, really hard and have zero good results. That, that's, that's, that's what makes the game great, though. That's why when they get a big hit, that's why when they pitch a great game, that's why when they make a great play. It's like the movie. If it was easy, everybody would do it. It wouldn't be great then. That's what makes it great, is it's hard. It's really hard. But, Jim, we're giving them false hope. No, it, <laughs> they keep keep battling, because what this is doing is it's setting you up for after baseball. Sure. That's, said it, what do I say on here all the time? Have a conversation with my kids. And when I say my kids, I mean all my kids. One of my baseball group was my kids. I can't tell you how many times we'd have a 10-minute conversation in left field after a game, and it would start out talking about the things that we did well, the things that we didn't do so well. And at the end, a lot of times I would look at them and say, and you still think I'm talking about baseball? No. Nope. Because they are, there are life lessons at every turn if you open your eyes and take the opportunity to see them. Great stuff, man. Love Lance Wheeler. Oh, I can't guy. wait to have him on again. Awesome stuff. Make sure you check it out again. That pitch palooza, we're there. I, man, uh, how I'm cool is that like, going to be? Well, yeah, well, I know, I was, man. You're I was, like, I was like pumped. You're up. a smiling dude over here. Good stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that was great stuff from them as well. Uh, again, we're going to get over to our uh, our uh, providers that we have each and every week to, to provide you with great information. We want to remind you though that we couldn't do the show without our good friends Earl Perrin, Chris Vernon, of course, the Hall of Famer John Smoltz, and the Rope Trainer. Go to the RopeTrainer.com. Check it out today. Tremendous item that you can use for training the arm, for getting the arm ready, getting it loose. It's just basically an adaption of the old towel drill, but it takes it another step further, puts the ball in the hand. Uh, One of the first questions I asked when they asked me to come on board with this with John was, okay, I get it, but if it's... If it's basically a variation of the towel drill, why not just do the towel drill? He said, well, let me let my friend Chris Verna here, who's one of the greatest trainers in the country, explain to you why you need to hold the ball in your hand instead of grip a towel. If they're talking, I'm listening. Make sure you check them out, theropetrainer.com. Okay, it's time to go over to our weekly contributor, the, the man himself, Justin Stone from EliteBaseball.tv out of Chicago. Again, I can't encourage you enough to check it out. Tremendous uh, uh, videos on there that can help you. And what I like about it is I don't care if you're eight. If you're 18, if you're in the big leagues, if you're a parent, a coach, you can take what they're using, what they're talking about, and you can apply it. It's great stuff. You can use it all day long. EliteBaseball.tv. Justin, take it away. This is Travis Kerber with Elite Baseball, and this is the tip of the week. With the youth season underway, it's important that we start making sure that we take care of our arms as the season progresses. I tend to see it with a lot of youth athletes that they do proper or at least some arm maintenance throughout the course of their training season, whether making sure they're doing their J-bands on a daily basis or doing some sort of recovery after they're throwing or doing more active stretching. And once the season gets underway, it's almost like they forget that they need to continue to take care of their arm and take care of their body because they're so excited to just get out and play games. So it's really important now as the season gets underway and we see kids starting to play four to sometimes six games in a weekend during a tournament that we make sure that they're continuing to take care of their bodies so that they don't break down as the season goes on. This obviously includes continuing to do J-band work before the game and hopefully recovery with J-band work after the game on a daily basis as they move throughout their season. It also means that they need to make sure that they're maintaining their mobility by continuing to do an active stretch and even doing a recovery stretch after they're done throwing. By doing this, it allows their body to not only maintain their range of motion and strength, 
but it allows them to be prepared better for the next time they're going to have to throw. I see a lot of times this year that there's, there's kids that play for multiple teams. They'll play for maybe a city team during the week, and then they play for their travel teams during the weekend. In these situations, it's really important to monitor the amount of throwing and the intensity of throwing that's going on with kids. A lot of times kids don't communicate well with their coaches because they're afraid to go up to their coach and talk to their coach about what's going on, thinking that their coach might take away time or take away a spot on the field for them. But it's really important if you've got a kid that's throwing in a midweek game or throwing in, let's say, a lesson, that they make sure that they're taking enough adequate time between going from a lesson or from a midweek game into a weekend tournament. For instance, if your team is planning for you to throw on the weekend, and let's say you're going to throw the Friday game, it would not be wise to throw hard or to throw a lot on a Thursday. And even Wednesday would be a shorter intense burst or a lighter day, knowing that you're going to go harder for a longer duration on that Friday. So make sure that as you're going out, you're helping your kid monitor the amount of time that they're throwing, the amount of time between their throwing, and the intensity of their throwing as they go from week to week. Again, this includes playing catch with a father or a friend during the week, practices, midweek games, weekend games, into lessons. Thank you for listening and tuning in to the tip of the week. Awesome stuff. Never expect anything less. Uh, Again, cannot encourage you enough to check out EliteBaseball.tv and my good friends Justin Stone and, of course, Travis Kerber up there. Uh, Now it's time to go over for our Ask Rick segment with my good friend Rick Strickland. Let's hear from Rick with his Blast Motion Ask Rick segment from St. Louis Pirates Nation. Take it away, Rick. Hey, Jim. Thanks again for having me on the show again this week. Another beautiful day outside for baseball, and I'm ready uh, to rock and roll and answer these questions you got coming from the audience. Uh, This week's question uh, is one that, when you're dealing with youth baseball, uh, is a common thing that I hear. And the question is, uh, Coach, my son is 10 years old. He's been hit by a pitch in a game the other day. Uh, The kid that threw it was throwing fairly hard. Uh, He's been nervous about his box, and we don't know exactly how to help him. We've asked around, uh, and we heard a lot of kids deal with this. That is correct. A lot of people do deal with this, and sometimes they deal with it prior to even being hit with the pitch that ultimately some kids will have to get over the fear of being hit by a pitch. And, you know, to be honest with you, some people don't play baseball because the anxiety and the fear of being hit by a pitch is so high that they can't allow themselves to play. I've I've talked to parents and players, uh, parents of players in the past, and and have known that to be true. as a former player, you know, I've, in the course of coach as a player, I had my junior year in college ended um, because I a pitch was thrown at my waist, and instead of learning properly how to turn away from a pitch, I stuck my left hand out and fractured that finger uh, or the hand and basically missed the last seven weeks of my junior year in college, uh, a year that was uh, a pretty productive year and probably would have seen me uh, have an opportunity to play ball pro ball a year earlier. Um, so to get back to the bottom of the matter, how do you fix that? How do you train a kid to do it? Uh, unfortunately, you'll have some kids that will never be able to overcome this, but they are those who, with proper training, proper nurturing, can get themselves back to a point where they can get themselves into the batter's box and, 
and and not be fearful of being hit by a pitch. I think every player that plays has in the back of their mind has a fear of being hit by a pitch. But you have some some guys who just feel like the the risk for being able to swing at a pitch is higher than the the, the chance that that, that uh, they're going to hit by a pitch. So. But what I would do in a case of a little 10-year-old kid that's that's been hit by pitches, the first thing as parents or as a coach I would do is start just kind of a incremental program where you stand in front of the kid and start flipping balls at him, softballs, maybe socks, maybe tennis balls, maybe anything that's 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 soft, just to get him in a, in a habit of just seeing pitches thrown at him. I wouldn't swing at him, but I just would throw pitches down the middle of the plate and then slowly start to move those balls in and out and around. Um, uh, 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 behind him, and then eventually you start to let him swing at those pitches over and over and over again. You throw balls up and in, uh, and and let them get acclimated to a lot of pitches being thrown. A lot of times when you're dealing with ten years old, ten year olds, the only time they ever get a chance to really swing a lot of pitches is going to be in the game. So you got to get him conditioned that he sees hundreds and if not thousands of pitches being thrown at him uh, to kind of get them to to overcome this fear of being hit. It's nice if 10,000 balls get thrown at him before he gets hit with the next pitch. Uh, I think that would uh, uh, kind of a, a comforting, soothing uh, type of approach to getting a kid back in the batter's box to swing it. Uh, a lot of times when you're dealing with 10-year-old get kids because they don't play as many games, if, especially if it's a recreational league game, you know, they the next time they get in the box after being hit is going to be in that game competition standpoint. They've not taken and prepared themselves a lot for being able to see pitches and take pitches and to be able to play play like that. So that's how I would approach it. I would start off by throwing pitches at them every day. Uh, after they've gotten hit, trying to get them over the fear of doing it, do it with softball so that they know if the, the risk of being hit by a pitch is not going to hurt. And over time, I think the kids, for the most part, will settle down and be able to overcome that anxiety about being hit by a pitch. But to be honest with you, players that play, there's never really any of us that ever – ever truly get over the anxiety about hitting by pitch. We just want to get the, the player in the mind frame that the chances of being hit in pitch are, are very rare uh, and your chances of being able to swing at a pitch without injuring yourself is, is higher than actually being hit by pitch. So that's my take on on uh, being trying to help young athletes overcome uh, the fear of being hit by a pitch. As usual, Jim, I'm happy to be on the show. If any people have any specific questions, you can reach out to me. Uh, at 314-775-4953 or visit us on the website at rsbperformance.com, soon to be trained with rsb.com. Again, Jim, happy uh, to be on the show. Look forward to talking to to the audience again next week. Thank you. I really do appreciate it. I hope everybody appreciates the time these guys take out of their busy schedules to just try to provide us with a little bit of information, tips, anything that might help us. Uh, Again, I treat it like church sometimes, Spiker. It seems like every now and again, if I'm wondering about something, these things just come up and answer questions for me. So it's pretty good stuff. I'm I'm absolutely loving this show. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. So and thanks again. I know uh, Blast Motion's a, a a sponsor of Rick's and big supporter of what he does. So make sure you give that a, a check out to Blast Motion. Great product. Again, I encourage everybody if you're gonna if you're gonna get one, learn how to use it. So you need to talk to people and understand what you have. It's kind of like plutonium. It's a great thing to have, I guess, but it can also be extremely dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Great stuff, man. Really enjoyed it today. This is the, this series uh, that we do with these guys. Um, I look forward to it each and every week. I know we're getting ready to have uh, your friend back on from the Rawlings Tigers that does your pitching coordinating. You know, I, I just I enjoy this. Uh, it's because I feel like 
even though I'm really not doing it anymore, I still have kids involved in it. I just get smarter. It's nice. I think with how you started the tryout series, and then we were talking, just brainstorming, and then getting chasing velocity. I was like, "Ooh, this well, is God." Gonna, you can't turn on anything, and people aren't talking. Oh, about this it. is going to be fantastic. Well, it's good stuff. And again, um, you know, the, the con- at the end of the day, we couldn't do this without the great contributors. So special thanks. And again, to our friend Lance Wheeler, make sure you check him out. want to remind you one last time before we go to make sure you give us an opportunity to, to, to share the show around. And that really starts with youthbaseballtalk.com. You can listen to the current episode, but you can also, um, you know, you can also listen to the back episodes. We have some awesome stuff going on out there, so we would really encourage it. Check it out, youthbaseballtalk.com. Of course, on Twitter, at Podcast Baseball. You follow us. We're going to follow you back if you're involved with the game of baseball. Love you guys' support on Facebook. Youth Baseball Talk in the search bar. You'll find us. Like our page. Share our stuff. Spiker, you got your... Hey, on, on Facebook, send, send, if you want to send in some videos and you want to send in some photos, send them our way. Um, I, we, I won't, we won't be able to share everything. But if you if you think that you found something that that is fantastic, give give us a shout because there's only there's only me and Jim and um, a couple of staff members that are behind us and we don't catch everything. So if you see something you like, you know what? I think this would be a perfect thing for um, the page. Send it our way. We want to share it and then we'll give you full credit on the share. Well, again, for sure, and that's what it's for, and that's what we're asking you to do. You know, just like our stuff, share it around. You never know who you may impact. Uh, Again, there's a lot of people out there with a lot of questions, and that's really all we're trying to do is answer a few of those questions. So, again, really appreciate everybody here at lineupmedia.fm. You want to listen to what you want to listen to, how you want to listen to it, and most importantly, when you want to listen to it. Check out lineupmedia.fm. If you're podcasting at all, which you probably are if you're listening to us, I guarantee you'll find another show on there that's worth your entertainment time. They take your entertainment very seriously. They also understand that your time is valuable. Check them out, lineupmedia.fm. For my producer, Brian, who uh, behind the scenes makes sure he puts the show all, all together and makes us sound halfway decent. And for my co-host, Spiker Helms, this is Jim Cromer. This is You Baseball Talk, and we'll see you next week. Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at Podcast Baseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.